Welcome to Cogill Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing. This week, two new films that center around parents and children and difficult choices. Both of them starring Lucas Hedges. Ben is Back. It's a film where Julia Roberts plays the mother of a teenager addicted to drugs. And the film called Boy Erased, starring Nicole Kidman and Russell Crowe. They play a religious couple who send their son to conversion therapy when they discover he's gay. I'm wine expert Haley Hamilton Cogill. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. It's a whole new year for adventure and excitement. We have big plans for the year, including wine and film programs back in Texas and several opportunities to travel and taste, which got me thinking about resolutions. Specifically, this year we resolve to taste the world through our glass. Taste the world through our glass of wine. We'll share a little bit more about this idea a little later in the show. But first, Gary, uh, let's talk about both of these films. Okay, let's start with... With Ben is back, 79% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's got Julia Roberts, who's very good in the film, Lucas Hedges, who is always good in everything. Courtney B. Vance is the dad in this movie. the dad, yes. Is the dad in this movie. It's directed by Peter Hedges. Now, Peter Hedges has written some great films. He wrote What's Eating Gilbert Grape, a movie years ago made in Texas with the 600-pound mom, and Johnny Depp was was the son. Who had all kinds of issues. And then he also wrote About a Boy, which is one of my favorite films. But he also wrote and directed Dan in Real Life, which is, I think, a really good film uh, with Steve Carell. Mm -hmm. So I think he's really good. I don't think this is his best film. In fact, of all the films we just talked about, I have a lot of issues here. Uh, So the film takes place over a very short amount of time. It's over a holiday weekend. Yeah, holiday weekend where where he comes home and nobody trusts him. He just shows up. Well, he is in rehab. Right. And somehow his rehab counselor has let him go home because it's the only thing that his mother wanted for Christmas or something like that. Mm Um, and it's interesting, you know, the the first shot of really the the mom and the son, you see her get out of her car and, and he is standing there and it's like, is is this going to be good or is this going to be bad? And right. she immediately goes and embraces him with joy. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of the family is like, what is this kid doing? Because he shouldn't be there. He should stay in rehab. Right. And he's broken down and lied and lied yeah. and lied and had all kinds of and issues. Like, and yeah. You know, he's an interesting character. Lucas Hedges is such a good actor. But he's an interesting character because there's this kind of sense of dread the whole time. But he's really trying. And he's really... Is he? Is he? Or is he a con artist? Is he? Is he a drug addicted con artist? <laughs> so... Julia Roberts acts her she socks off. She just acts of her socks off in this movie. She does. She's really great at being Julia Roberts. And listen, <laughs> she's very good. But the film is unsatisfying. It ha- it's un- it, it, it has, other than a slice here and there, which I think it's a movie of moments where the, some of the parts don't add up mm-hmm. to a really good, complete film. Mm-hmm. And that's the issue here. Because I think we're talking about a good film, but never a great film. And I, and I think it has issues. Um and, and as much as I like her and I like him, there's another level here that this film never reaches or even gets close right. to. Right. So because we had a similar film. We had talked about Beautiful Boy a couple weeks ago with Steve Carell and um, Timothy Chalamet. And that film reaches it. And that that's just, I mean, you know, kind yeah. of similar concept. You have a son that's addicted to drugs mm-hmm. and you have a parent that is desperately trying to support their child, but also 
understand, you know, what's going on and, and, and try to work through the issues that their son is obviously dealing with. And there was so much more depth and emotion and, and uh, honesty, I thought. Yeah. And realism. Yeah. Um, and that film versus this. And yeah, I mean, it's, I just, I wasn't, I just wasn't very interested yeah, I lost interest about three fourths yeah. of the way through the film, and then for I think the bi- we started playing cards halfway through the film. And Did so we? By playing cards, I in think the you of won most of our hands of gin. <laughs> by the way, we're playing with a deck of cards from the movie The Favorite. The Favorite. So, so we have it's a all, Queen of Hearts. <laughs> it's, it's a chick deck. It is. It's, it's awesome. a chick deck of cards. But yeah, I, I'm so I, I listen. I think it's a good film and not a great film, and I don't want to go that much into into a whole lot of detail on it. That Ben is back. It is kind of par for the season. We have a lot of these films that are issue-oriented, and they're pretty good films, and some of them are better, and Beautiful Boy is the one opposed to this. Mm-hmm. So I would I would put this in like a B-minus area, and I would I would put Beautiful Boy in an A-minus mm-hmm. or an A, mm-hmm. an A. Yeah, so that's one. So the second film is called Boy Erased. So we have Ben is Back, and Boy Erased is around 80% on Rotten Tomatoes. I think this is a better film than that. Mm-hmm. It's got Nicole Kidman as the mother. Listen, she's really good in everything she's doing. And she was so good in that television series a year ago with all of the women on the ocean. Oh, yeah. And yeah, the, yeah. Um, Where they, um, it won um, every oh, Emmy gosh, Award. Tell me, Reese Witherspoon. Yeah, Reese then, Witherspoon. Um, all of them, which um, there's, there's season another two is one. Oh, out. we should, yeah. I should have that on the That's okay. And, uh, but we haven't seen Russell Crowe for a while. And he's the kind of soft spoken minister dad. He's the pastor of a local church. Big old Baptist preacher. Big old Baptist preacher. And then the son is played by Lucas Hedges. And it's directed by Joel Edgerton, the Australian actor who was the star of Loving, which is a really good film. And in Great Gatsby. And he was in Great Gatsby. And he also wrote it. He also so wrote, he acts, wrote the acts, directs, and wrote this film. Yeah, because I think it meant something to him. So I was really interested in this. And it tells the story of uh, this kid who's the son of a Baptist pastor, very small rural American town, who's uh, outed. In Arkansas. He gets outed to his parents. Yeah, in Arkansas. In Arkansas. Yes. Uh, you know what they say to a, you know what you say yes, to your honey. I've yes, we've already said this joke. Go ahead. What do you say to a woman from Arkansas? Nice tooth. Nice tooth. <laughs> I know, <laughs> I know. I love Arkansas. <laughs> hey, you went to you you lived there for a while, so I, I, I can get by with that. So he's 19 years old, and he's faced with an ultimatum by his parents. Listen, he loves his parents. I think he's. I think he loves his faith. I think he wants to please so much. But they, and I think he's confused. And he's and completely I confused. A, I mean, you know, when you are raised one way, but you feel another way, and how do you deal with that? Especially right. when you know you're going to, when you know that everything you've ever learned and been taught is completely opposite. And I just, it, it, it was very, very difficult to watch because it's, it's just really painful to think of. Of, that this goes on. That this goes on. And, and it's, it's been horrible. going on for years. Yeah. It's right. horrible. It, a conversion therapy, everything I stand for is against conversion therapy. It just, it, it everything I stand for in my faith is against conversion therapy. And I don't know how you can, how how this is showing love and compassion yeah. and, and, and care. And this is not, if this is... It, if your religion doesn't believe that, that being gay is right or whatever... Then you don't. Then you know what kind of God do you? How 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 
if if God is all about love, then how is how is this? Yeah. Yeah. It just doesn't make it. Just I can't even. It doesn't make any well, sense. Well, and there, there's Christian watch. groups all around the country. All of them are very conservative Christian groups, and that's fine. But the idea that you can pray the gay away is just, I don't know any, I don't, all my, all our gay friends that we love and connect with, you, you're not going to pray the gay away. It doesn't even make any sense It to makes me. no sense. It doesn't even make any sense And then to, to send to somebody in kind of a cult encampment where you can't get out. You can't get out. And they take your phone. And, and they, they intimidate take, the hell out of you. And they basically, yes. Literally. It's like a drill sergeant comes in and, right. and shouts at you. Right. And, the, and, and also they shame you into thinking, you know, this is how you should think. And there's a lot of kids in that situation that really want to please their parents because they're there because their parents sent them there. And so they'll... And it's very expensive. And it's very expensive. And it's a money-making deal. And none of them, none of them are certified. Yeah. (laughs) No one is is certified. I mean, at least in this particular instance. Yeah. There are a whole bunch of people that are acting like psychiatrists and psychologists and, and whatever. Yeah. And... And making a lot of money off yeah. of off of parents that think that they can they can change their children, right. and it's ridiculous. Right? They're, they're, it's just it's it's mean and cruel. And I think I think the the adverse effects to things like gay therapy or pray the gay way or this intimidation um, is, is so far down the road of just you'll spend the rest of your life in therapy trying to dealing with conversion therapy. Mm-hmm. Of all these kids, and there's lots of records of that of yeah. just being beat down and, and and not working out. So it's a tragedy. I'm going to say this too that the film is shot kind of like a horror film. Every time you see the father, he's in shadows. Mm-hmm. Every time you see the minister, even when he's preaching, it's not big, bright, good guy. It's kind of shot like a horror film, and he is he is so incompetent as a father in this to deal with to deal with this mm-hmm. of his son. And we hear this all the time. That's why, that's why gay high schoolers and kids in college don't spent years just trying to come out because they were so afraid of their parents that they wouldn't be accepted. And then, and then you add the church to it and the guilt involved and all of that. So I, I, I think it's shot like a horror film. And then it has, I'm going to say this without giving anything away, it has a really good ending. It has a really thoughtful, interesting ending without beating you over the head with message. So I... I think this is a really good film, actually. I, I'm I'm a big fan of this film. I don't watch it for fun, but it's you know I think Nicole Kidman important. is very good. I think yeah. that you know Joel Edgerton is very good. Mm-hmm. I mean he he kind of captures that character of the oh yeah he does therapist. <laughs> I, I don't like him at all. That exactly. You, you know, know he's trying to he's trying to be like a lot of the I've been around some of these people. You know when I was involved in the church in high school and college. I was just around some of people that were like that. They were always uh, mansplaining everything. Mm-hmm. They're always, and I want to say faith-splaining everything, because they just assume that you don't know as much as them, so they're always teaching you, and everything's a teachable moment. And if you're vulnerable, you listen, and you, you, you want to be open to all that, mm-hmm. and rather than make up your own mind and think about think through the process of what's going on. And I, I have no respect for these guys anymore. I really bothered me mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. but it's it's a decent film and it's got something it to do, say it, it serves a purpose well yeah it's a really it, i don't think know. mike pence is going to watch this probably film. not and he should 
He should watch this. He probably should. When we come back on Kogel Wine and Film, A Perfect Parent, as Haley noted at the start of the show, <laughs> it's the new year. Yay, Yay. Happy New Year. And we have some ideas on how to take yourself on an adventure every single day. It's all within your evening glass of wine. And we will be right back. In our travels, we've had the privilege of tasting some of the most delicious wines from all over the world. And I can tell you that the great barrier to drinking many wines isn't the price, it's the access to it. The access, wine access, has been a game changer. It's so easy to discover and drink the best wines from around the world. For instance, let's just think back on this last year. We've enjoyed the 2009 Hidden Ridge Vineyard Cabernet Sauvignon. Delicious. And the 2015 Moonsai Vineyard Chardonnay. Maybe. By Philippe Melka, our fantastic wine. I love that wine. We even tried a pretty good bottle of sake recommended to us by Wine Access Sake Sommelier, Eduardo Dingler. We had him on the show recently. <laughs> we lo- we're big fans of Eduardo's. Wine Access's dedicated team of experts tastes over 20,000 bottles every year, offering us access to their favorite gems, exquisite wines and sakes that taste that they should cost quite a bit more. They do. They taste expensive sometimes. And whether it's grapes from a family vineyard or the passion project of a legendary winemaker, Wine Access shares the full story of what makes each bottle so special. And it delivers both the wine and and its story right to your doorstep. So we want you to discover your favorite new bottle. So we've arranged a special, exclusive, limited-time offer with Wine Access. Get 20% off these outstanding wines that are already a great value. But to get the 20% off, you must go now to our special website. It's wineaccess.com slash Cogill. For full details, go now to wineaccess.com slash Cogill. That's C-O-G-I-L-L. Welcome back to Kogel Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing. So we start this year excited for upcoming travel experiences, but we also like the idea of taking yourself on an adventure every day simply through your glass. Precisely, Gary. You know, as we always say, great wine is made in the vineyard. And when a wine tells a story of the land, you have an opportunity to learn about that special place through your glass. I kind of like this little, you know, my, my little hashtag I use a lot, a lot is, you know, every glass is an adventure. It is. And, and I think that as we kind of start this new year, we have a few adventures coming up. We are going to be back in Texas doing a couple programs the end of January, and then mm-hmm. we're going to go on a little adventure to Argentina, and I cannot wait to take you to Argentina. I think that Mendoza is just a magical, mystical place. Why is it so magical I to just, you? I don't know. I got a feeling. I, I went there probably 15 years ago and just fell in love with the people, and I think that there is something in the air that, that just makes it a very, very special place. And and I think that over, you know, the last fifteen years especially, Malbec from from Argentina has become very popular. Yeah, it has. But there's also a, a variety, Bernarda, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago on the show. It's um, known as Charbonneau in California, a couple other regions. And it's um, this kind of cult wine. It's everybody's, you know, all about Charbonneau and Bernarda. Charbonneau. Charbonneau. Yes. Um, wow. And it's, and, and we've had a couple of them recently. And it's, you know, this very leathery and and earthy and kind of tobacco and and um, kind of tar-filled, intense wine that really 
you know, it's the the vineyards of Argentina are dry. They're high elevation. They're looking, you know, at the foothills of the Andes Mountains. Andes are big, aren't they? Andes are big. And I can't wait for you to see them. Yeah, see, and, uh, so we've been having this discussion for years, and we're finally going. Yes. So I'm very excited because I've been on the website and looked at yeah. where we're staying and all that stuff. We're staying at Cava's Wine Lodge, one of my favorite places in the entire world. In the world. world that you've ever talked yes. about. And you stayed in some amazing places. And, this is one of them well, that and, you've always wanted to go back to. And and, and you see these, you know, you see this dry, arid, you know, land, and then you taste that kind of earthiness and that leathery dustiness in in a glass. I think that we also have talked a, a lot about Albarino on the show, um, especially Albarino from Rishbashes from Galicia, Spain. Right. And so you're right on the the border of the, in the far northwest corner of Spain. It's very green, which surprised me when when I went there. It is a little bit rainier than than many parts of Spain. But you're right there at the Atlantic Ocean, and so you get that kind of briny saltiness in in the glass that comes from that ocean influence. But you also get that in, say, an Albarino from Uruguay. That's, you know, you you have Bodega Garzon, for instance, mm-hmm. that that has the same Atlantic influence. You know, you think about you think about the Atlantic Ocean touches Spain, but it also touches Uruguay. And wow. so you have this wow. whole kind of of a flavor palette that that gives you this kind of brininess and the saltiness that I just find completely fascinating. So one thing I've learned from you over the years is uh, now whenever I go into res- say I'm by myself and I go somewhere and um, and I'll I'll look at the wine list and I'll check always every time now to see if there's an Albarino. We like Albarino, and I want to know where it's from. Yeah, and if and usually it's at a decent price. They, it is. It's and, kind of and you know it's it's if you're. Albarino has gotten very popular in the last few years, but if you're still unfamiliar with it, it's kind of what I would say. It's it's like a Sauvignon Blanc. I think it's a little has a little mm-hmm. bit more richness, has a little bit more texture. It's not as grapefruity, um, like a like a French Sauvignon Blanc. Yes, you know, yes let's say yeah. that. Um, but I I do think it actually has more roundness and richness um, to the palate, and then especially one from Spain. Um, has the the soils are filled with so much granite that you also get that kind of you know crushed stone kind mm-hmm. of minerality in, in in the wines that I find really really exciting. Um, but then, as you said, Sauvignon Blanc, for instance, like so it, you can taste in like a Loire Valley Sauvignon Blanc. You the the vineyards are so filled with with silex, which is basically flintstone, which is basically you know that kind of when you when you when you hit a a Two rocks together of, make a spark. Make a spark. Yeah. You get that kind of flinty Ooh, gun, spark in a glass. gun <laughs> powdery kind of note in those Sauvignon Blancs. That's why it's called Pouli Fumé. And and to find those kind of characteristics, I just find really exciting. Yeah. I think so, that so that's an adventure in a glass. It really is. You, know, you can you can go to you can have that Malbec. You can find the right. Would you say Char, Charbonneau or Bernardo? Yeah. yeah. Or, or Bernardo or Charbonneau and and. Feel like you're in Argentina, yeah. and you can have this Albarino like you're in Greece or you're in Uruguay, in Spain or Spain you're and in Uruguay, Dubai. right? Oh, um, that's right. Yeah. Yes, I don't know. It just kind of was a fun. So idea. the Spain was, one was a Xenomavro. The Greek one is a Xenomavro. I'm sorry, the Greek one. I'm, I'm <laughs> catching up with you. We talk about I'm a still lot. a little under the weather, but I'm getting there because <laughs> I learned that name from you this last year well, too, Xenomavro. And it's a hard it starts with an X. It starts with an X, and so just. 
you know, you might see a Xenomavro on a wine list or in a store and be afraid to to buy it or or order it because because you see it's something that starts with an X and yet it sounds like a Z and that's where I think sometimes wine is like the story of a wine can be a little bit sad because we just often order the thing that's familiar because we can pronounce it right. and 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 Xenomavro has so much like it's it's from the northern part of Greece and Neosa and um, these gorgeous kind of rolling hills that you know the Romans had crossed at one point, and it has this beautiful kind of like sun dried tomato and and olive tapenade kind of flavor, um, which also then pairs really beautifully with rich you know kind of lamb dishes of and mm. and all these you know intense kind of Greek flavors all these beautiful herbal notes it's like the the uh, rosé from provence you you taste the what i call the garig which is basically those kind of wild herbs you think about your, what what herb de provence is it's lavender it's thyme it's sage it's it's all that wild it's rosemary stuff it's all between of this, the rose right? yes it's all these the you know, kind of these these herbal notes that yes you cook with you know think about what you dust your your you know roasted chicken with right you taste those kind of herbs in a glass and i just think that that's it's really really exciting and it's if you if you can't have you know if you can't get on a plane every you know week and go and have an adventure in some place you can taste you can taste the world through your glass. And you I think that that's something really fun. And so like kind of as, as we think about New Year's resolutions, I thought that would be kind of a, a fun one to, yes, we drink a lot of Napa Cab. We drink a lot of, of California Chardonnay. We love them. We drink a lot of Oregon Pinot. We love them. But it's also, you know, kind of, kind of wanting to go beyond that. I, I'm very interested, you know, I think the wines of Australia are, are very mm-hmm. interesting and, and kind of were very, very hot for a while and now have kind of, you know, softened. Um, I think that that there are really fantastic Sauvignon Blancs and Pinot Noir from New Zealand that I am, yeah. I have, yes, there are a lot that are just complete citrus grapefruit bombs, but there's also um, so many beautiful wines that have such subtlety and really do you know, make you think of sunshine in a glass, which I think is also... I think when you go into a wine store, too, or or even a restaurant, um, and you just think, hey, hey, what was made in Italy? What does this taste like? And you start exploring Italian wines or Spanish wines. I mean, you can really get into, uh, you call it the AVAs, but even the neighborhoods. Right. Oh yeah, of these parts of those countries. Single, single vineyard, you know, like like I love a great Barolo, but then when you go down to each individual little vineyard site that they make this, you know, that's been growing Nebbiolo for hundreds of years, it's just fascinating. Yeah. And Italy, I mean, you know, there are three hundred different, over three hundred varieties that are grown just in Italy just in that in tiny Italy. little country. Yeah. And and every single one is so different. You think about Grenache from the Rhone region and Garnacha from northern Spain, and though it's the same variety, it can it tastes completely different because of where it's grown. Yeah. It'll have this you know similar characteristics. Syrah and Shiraz, it's it it will have similar characteristics, but 
that true sense of place that really comes out in the glass, I think is really exciting. Okay, a little bit of a sidebar. You can do that with IPAs and beers too. Absolutely. Because I think that's the attraction to a lot of IPAs because mm-hmm. as you know, winemakers drink beer. They do. A lot. Yes. And so I'm, I'm kind of interested in this next year of exploring some IPAs without, I, I'm not a big fan of the huge stout mm-hmm. in your face, but I, Maybe well, my palate can develop that. But it's it's the exact same thing. It's like coffee. You know, there are right. it's it's like tea. You everything that's grown, I mean, the base of 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 a great IPA is the hops and that's right. a flower. And so where is that flower grown? And it takes on the characteristics of that soil. Yeah. And that's that's what you find in every glass. It's why it's why coffee it's why Kona coffee has its own unique yep. flavor, very different than Bolivian coffee or Colombian coffee or, I mean, we talked a little bit about the Puerto Rican coffee industry mm-hmm. on the show a couple of weeks ago. Like every single one of, of, of those flavors are different. And then how it's roasted, which again kind of goes back to wine with the kind of barrels that you use and the toast on the barrel. And I'm getting ready to, I'm going to, I have a fantastic trip coming up to Spain also. And, and Baronia Winery um, that we've talked about yeah, a little bit stuff. before, um, you know, their winemaker kind of created his own barrel style and that he'll use like I, an American barrel with French oak tops. Wow. And then vice versa, just because the American oak adds one kind of flavor, French oak adds another kind of flavor, and then how they meld together is really fascinating. It's one of the few times the French and Americans get together. Can actually get together. And it works. (laughs) Hey, say it with me one more time. What do you say to a woman from Arkansas? I'm not talking. Nice tooth. Next time on Kogel Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing, more Oscar-contending films either in theaters or on demand, all of them, I think, worthy of attention. I'll have a little bit more on some of the wines we talked about also oh, good. on the today's show on my Red Wine with Breakfast website. So good. just a few kind of ideas up there. Uh, but for more on our discussion today, please follow our blog on CogillConsulting.com or through Facebook. Follow Gary on Twitter at Gary Cogill and see what we're drinking now by following me on Instagram and Twitter at Dallas Uncorked. And with that, I'm Gary Cogill, and I'm always looking for the next great film. I'm Haley Hamilton Cogill, always in search of a great glass of wine. Join us next time on Cogill Wine and Film, a perfect pairing. Aloha.